17 through 24. And if you're joining us in person, or if you feel comfortable doing this, uh, if you're joining us online, uh, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word once you're ready to read. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, we are continuing in our sermon series where we're talking about how can you practically uh, seek first the kingdom of God? And sometimes I think this idea of a, a kingdom maybe seems like something that's kind of far away. But one of the things that for us to make this really practical for us, for God to actually be king, is you have to abdicate your throne. You got to give it up. And so, friends, if we want the kingdom of God to be operative in our lives, as we have been talking, right, the kingdom of God will be with us forever, right? Like, we're going to live in the kingdom forever um, if if we believe and trust in Jesus and follow him, right? Um, But that is meant to start now. And I think a question that I have is, uh, a different way to put, is Jesus your king, is, is Jesus your ruler, uh, so here's a picture of a king uh, and, and somebody just bowing before the king. And so when a king commands a, a, a subject, the subject will do what the king desires. And so the, 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 uh, this idea of a king is they're the one who sets the rules. They tell you what to do, and you follow them. And so this is one of the questions that we have to kind of figure out, is Jesus your king? It sounds good. Right? I think most Christians, especially those of us who grew up in the church, we would say, like, of course Jesus is our king. But is he your ruler? A ruler, like we said, is somebody who makes rules, right? And so this idea, if Jesus is your ruler, just like any other ruler, you would follow their rules, right? So imagine, king says, I'm going to use this example just because I had socks <laughs> for the children's sermon. It's just kind of a silly example. But the king is like, hey, I like your socks. Give me your sock right now. You might be like, these are my favorite socks. <laughs> well, if I give you my socks, I'm going to be cold, right? Can you do that? Can you be like, no, man, I'm not going to give you my socks. Get your own socks. Not if he's your ruler, right? He's like, you know what? I'm going to give you a new rule. All your socks belong to me. (laughs) So I want you to give me your socks. Would you do it? Would you do it? You would if this person were truly your king. If this person were truly your ruler, you would follow their rules, right? 
Now, can you imagine that there was somebody who, I don't know, they lived in this land. The land, yeah, I don't know, Socklandia, whatever, because the king really likes socks. And, you know, this happens sometimes. That someone, their house, they're like, okay, I know that my property is like in Socklandia, but I'm just going to say this is the sovereign kingdom of Steve, right? It's just this house, these four walls. This is the sovereign kingdom of Steve, and I set my own rules. And my rule is that I get to keep my socks. And if I don't like what you tell me, I don't have to do it, right? And so then, under those circumstances, would that king be my ruler? Not functionally right? Maybe technically, if like, you know, if someone's like, yo, <laughs> I know you act like you don't belong to Socklandia, but your land is here, right? This is really your king. But functionally, it's not like that. And I think that that's what happens in this world, right? Is that many of us, like, like Jesus is king, but we don't act like he is. We don't live as he is, as if he is. And the thing is that this is what we call sin, right? Now, sin, it's a word that you hear sometimes, and to us, it sounds like doing bad things, right? Sometimes it can be, right? Sometimes the things that we do in sin are not necessarily good for us, but sometimes when we sin, let's be honest, friends. Come on, we're just friends here, right? We can be honest with one another. Sin can be fun. Is that true? Can I get an amen? Maybe don't answer that. (laughs) But maybe some of you are like, well, yeah. Pastor Steve, if I'm being honest, sin can be really fun, right? Now, this is what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. We talked about this before. It's like an archery term, right? If what God desires for you to do is not sin, that, that is what is right, right? And so then when you decide, I'm not gonna do that, that is sin, Right? Because God is asking you to do certain things. And when we're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. We are living under sin. And the way the Bible talks about sin is not just the bad things you do, the actions. Right? Sometimes uh, when I was in seminary, we talked about the sin uh, as sin with a little s. Just your little actions. Right? The things you do where, you know, like, I don't know, you stole something or you lied to, to somebody in your family. Or, you know, you, did, you do these things and you hurt people. And you do things you're not supposed to, and these actions are definitely sins. But then we call this thing sin with a big S. And this is a little bit different. This is what we're going to be seeing today, is that it's something that we call our sinful nature. There is something within us where you may want God to be your king. You may really want that very badly, but you are not able to do it. Friends, I mean, I'm going to give some examples of this. Um, to to just kind of help us understand why this is and where this is coming from. But also, search your heart. Is that true of you? Maybe you've grown up in the church and you're like, yeah, Jesus is king, you know, for sure. But you can't do what he asks you to. Sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes you're not able to, right? And we actually see this in scripture. So I want to show you Romans 7. um, And and it's going to show us What is going on? This kind of battle that's being waged within us. And so it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me naturally, that is, in my flesh. When the Bible talks about flesh, it is talking about kind of like your natural self under sin. 
under the sin with a big S. So don't get too twisted with the idea of flesh as being your body. It is your body, but it's all of it, right? And so our bodies, we have these different parts, right? So what are some different parts of, of your body that the Bible talks about? You guys remember, it says, you shall love the Lord your God. This is the most important commandment, right? With all of your what? Can someone just give me one, just throw it out there. There's a few things in that list. Depending on the scripture, right, there's actually different things that are listed. But uh, I I saw someone go like this, or they, someone actually did that to their husband. (laughs) Patted right here. What what is this? What is this? Maybe it's, I think it's a little to the left, right? Isn't it? (laughs) what, What? Heart. Yeah, the heart. Okay, so good. Now, the heart is the part of you, um, at least biblically. Okay? I, I know, you know for us, uh, uh, <laughs> anatomically, it's you know, pumping the blood that goes throughout your body. right? But when the Bible talks about the heart, it is your desire organ. right? It is the thing where you want something, and, and, and your, your willpower is like, oh, I just want that. right? That is your heart. right? We say this sometimes. The heart wants what the heart wants. Okay, what's another part? You shall love the Lord with all your heart, for sure. With all your... It's not supposed to be a trick question. What, what's this? Mind. Okay, good. So what is the mind? Mind is where you get your thoughts, of course, and you get your emotions. You guys know that. Your thoughts come from your emotions, right? So if you think that somebody is going to come after you with an axe, if you think that, you're going to start feeling scared, right? It's going to happen automatically. So your mind is where your thoughts and emotions come. And then there's one more part. It also says, love the Lord with all of your strength, right? And this is your actual body, your ability to actually do these things, right? And so all of these things, when we say the flesh, we are saying this is our natural state, our natural state under sin. We're not going to go back to the beginning, but you guys remember the whole Adam and Eve thing, right? We had this choice that we could do what God desires and live in paradise forever, but we as human beings chose to say, no thanks, God. We are going to make up our own mind. We're going to do what we want, right? And so because of that, we are all under sin, right? So it says, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So this is... Um, the, the writer of Romans talking and says, I have the desire to do what is right. So the desire, it's coming from the heart. In their heart, they want to do it, but they don't have the ability to actually do it. They don't have the strength. You guys ever feel like that? Is there ever a time where you're like, yo, I really should pray? And you're like, oh, let, let's pray. And you just don't do it. Why? It, it's almost like, oh, I couldn't do it, right? How many of you, if I ask you right now, do you want to pray this week? And you have that desire to do it. Then you get to the end of the week. I don't know. You you got midterms going on. Life gets busy. And we get to the next Sunday. I'm like, hey, how was your prayer life this week? Oh, not so good? What happened? Oh. (laughs) Well, did you have the desire to do it? You're like, yeah. Pastor Steve, I really did want to pray. Well, what happened? You know what happened? The flesh, right? Something within you. You weren't able to do it. How about this? How about this? What if I were to say, you should love your enemies? This is something Jesus says. You should love your enemies. Now, there's someone in your life who's really wrong to you, 
right? Or I mean, like maybe just right now, we're like, okay, love your enemies. But this week, somebody betrays you. Are you going to be able to love them? With our minds, with our thoughts, we're like, yeah, 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 I should do that. I should do that, right? Jesus asks us to love our enemies and pray for them, right? You going to be praying for them? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Friends, what we are starting to understand is there's something within us that is fighting that, right? This sinful nature. It says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. How about some of you who have, you have some kind of habitual sin that you have been doing? For some guys, I know there's a lot of stuff like on the internet, some kind of like lustful stuff that we look at sometimes. And I know a lot of Christ followers, Christian men, um, and it's not just men, but let's be honest, it <laughs> affects a little disproportionately, I think. Um, and, and there's some people who are like, yeah, I don't want to look at that anymore. You have that desire. I don't know, you have a really stressful week or you're really lonely. Right? And there's something, you're just like, mm, I know I don't want to do it. There's part of me that doesn't want to do it. But then you end up doing it. Right? Or maybe there's someone who's struggling with like alcohol or something. They're like, oh, no, I, I know I shouldn't drink to numb myself, to just, you know, like by myself. I, I know that I can get carried away. I'm not like drinking as a beverage with friends, you know. But I, I'm drinking as a drug to just forget my problems. I don't want to do it but you end up doing it. What's going on, right? It says, now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. There's something else dwelling in you, inside of you. It is the sin nature, sin with a big S. That's what we're talking about, right? This thing within you that is going contrary of what God desires for you. And we all struggle with this. There is not a single person I think, who can say, yeah, you know what? I can do all the good in the world, and I'm always able to forgive people, and I'm always able to pursue spiritual things above earthly things. I don't think there's anyone who can say that. Can you? Because I can't. <laughs> you know, as the pastor of this church, I try, but I can't do that perfectly, right? None of us can because of this sin nature, right? And so, then he says, so I find it to be a law, right? Now, we talk about this idea of law, but remember what we said about, is Jesus your, not just king, but your ruler, right? So I think that it's kind of helpful when it talks about law, especially in Romans 7 and 8, that's kind of talking about these principles, these rules that rule you, right? It's not just a law like a commandment that's there, but what is actually ruling you? What are you actually able to do, right? There's kind of like this unwritten rule, right? That something else is ruling you and telling you what to do. God is trying to, right? God is trying to tell you what to do, tell you the right thing to do, but you're not able to follow those rules because, because why? You're following a different rule. And you're following a different ruler. Let's check it out, right? So it says, uh, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members. What is that talking about? The body, right? Right? In the flesh, I see in my body another law waging war against the law of my mind, right? So I, I, I kind of think of it as like, I don't know, maybe there's something like within you. Let's say 
you're really stressed out and, and there's like a prayer meeting at church and you're like, oh man, I want to go pray. But you know you've got midterms, you've got all this stuff going on and you're like, in my inner being, I want to go pray, but your, your body won't carry you there, right? Like, like, like your legs won't take you to the prayer meeting, you know? You can't do it. There's something else working inside of you, right? It says, uh, waging war against the law of my mind, right? The, the principles of my mind that are trying to rule me and making me captive to the law, the rule of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me, right? So the writer of Romans realizes that this is a miserable state. I want to do the right thing. I just can't do it, right? And friends, I just want to be really clear about this. So there's this whole discussion in, uh, earlier in chapter 7 about how we can know truly that you're not being ruled by God. And it's really when there is a law that God gives you, a command, and you're not able to do it. Right, And so I just want to show you how this works. So let's go back to verse 5 in chapter 7. It says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Right? This is not good. Right? Bearing fruit for death is not good. Right? It's killing you. This isn't good for us. Right? And we got to realize that, that living under sin, it's not giving you what you want. Sure, sometimes when you do what you want in the short term, it feels good, but in the long term, is it giving you what you want? Because what we have been talking about this whole time, right, this idea of seeking first the kingdom of God, is if God completely rules us, that's the best possible life. If you're able to have freedom in Christ to pursue the life that God desires for you, to love God completely, and to love your neighbor as if they were you, right, that is the best possible life, right? It's like plugging yourself into this energy source, right? Like this, a thousand watt bulb and just, just, you just come alive, right? You get powered up, just, you're like, yes, this is what I was made for. And when we decide to sin, we're disconnected from that. We're separated from that. We're doing our own thing. And man, life is so hard, right? You get this little thrill and then it's empty, You think that this is giving you what you want, but you're not really happy. You're not really fulfilled. You know something's missing, right? And so it's bearing fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, that's a whole mouthful, but the idea is that we are not just supposed to just live by a written code, right? We don't just do things because God says, hey, do this. But we have a spirit within us that is leading us, that we need to learn how to obey. And that spirit oftentimes is going to work in accordance with Scripture, for sure, right? So Scripture is very helpful for this, for a couple reasons. One, that you don't deceive yourself. You're not like, oh, yeah, my spirit's telling me to do whatever I want. No, 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 right? we got to be really clear. It's got to be in accordance with Scripture, right? But also, there's this other thing right? Because so many of us, we can't hear the Spirit of God because we're listening to the flesh, right? And we're ruled by the flesh. What the law does is it makes it very clear that God is not your ruler, okay? So this is what um, 
the writer of Romans is talking about. It says, what then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. It would have been undetected, right? For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Now, friends, check this out, okay? It says, sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. So this is the thing, friends. Uh, This is how you know if you're ruled by God or if you're ruled by something else. God gives you a command. He says, don't covet, right? Like like in this example. Can you do it? Because if you're ruled by God, you would be able to do it, right? You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll follow that rule. You're my ruler, and I'll do it. But there's another ruler within you, right? It's like this, right? Like, do you ever have your parents or somebody tell you, like, to do something? Hey, go clean your room. Do your homework, right? Be nice to your brother or your sister, right? And, and this is the thing. This is how you know if your parents are your ruler or not, <laughs> if you actually do it. And if within you, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you, you know, I want to do that. But this is what happens to a lot of us, Right? Especially as we grow up, right? We're like, you're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. Clean my room. I'm going to do the opposite. I don't want to clean my room ever. What's happening? What's happening? Friends, do you guys hear what I said? You are not the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. And so when you see the law and it says, love your neighbors, and you can't do it. What is our conclusion? God is not your boss. You have a different boss. Your flesh, your sinful nature, you are following that, right? So I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, right? When the commandment came and it says, do this, Right? And you are not able to walk in accordance with it. Your sin raises up and says, I don't want to follow God. I don't want to follow God. I want to do what I want. Right? It came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. So, friends, what is a ruler? Somebody who gives you rules, right? And so, friends, who is your ruler? This is a question. One of the main questions, if you walk away with nothing today, friends, ask yourself this question. Do not let yourself off the hook. Just be honest. And if the answer is not the Christian standard answer, the Sunday school answer, well, at least you know you're not deceiving yourself, right? Because this is the thing. For a lot of us, friends, I think the way that the devil operates is wants to give you the illusion that you actually love and believe God and you are a citizen of his kingdom when that's actually not true. And so I just want us to be clear because, friends, I think sometimes we know that's not true because we see a lot of the wonderful things that it talks about. For those of us who live in the kingdom, we've already talked about this before. You'll live in a place of no anxiety. Why? Because if God is in control, what do you have to worry about? He's ruling everything. He's ruling you, but he's also ruling this universe. Do you want that? Do you want God to be your ruler? Friends, I am realizing more and more, I want that more than anything. 
And if I want that, I need to realize a fundamental truth about myself. God does not always sit on the throne of my life. This is the question, friends. Who sits on the throne? I just picked a random throne. This happens to be the throne from Game of Thrones. Man, that's such an uncomfortable throne. By the way, this is just completely an aside, but the way they built this throne in, in, in the books and the shows is uh, whenever they would vanquish an enemy, they would add their sword to the throne. It's pretty gnarly, right? <laughs> but people want to sit on this throne because they want to rule. It is a, a symbol of power, right? We have power over you. And there is a throne of your life. It is who is your God? Who calls the shots? Who makes the rules? And by the way, when you look at Romans 7 and a lot of these other passages, it's not exactly you, right? We, we like to say that, right? And, and we put you on, on, on kind of like the on trial. We're like, you know, oh, if I'm really honest, you know, myself is Steve. Steve is the king of my life. That's not true. You are not the king of your life. You are not the ruler of your life. You know how you know that? Because there's so many times where you can't even do what you want to do. We've already talked about that. There are times where you're like, I absolutely want to pray. Maybe not with every fiber of my being, but I really do want to do that. And you can't do it. Right? So again, how do you know if somebody is the ruler? You're going to follow their rules. So there's a different ruler. It is sin. Sin is your ruler. This tendency to go away from God. That is your ruler, right? To choose things that are easy, convenient, feel good in the moment, right? They're going to make you feel, at least give you the illusion of safety, right? And comfort right now. We pick those things all the time over the things within you that you know are right. How many of you, you want to study, you're like, yeah, you know, I want a bright future. I want to study right now. And you look at your bed and your bed just, like before you know it, you're in bed, right? And you're not studying. Or you're on phone, on your phone, on phone. (laughs) Like phone is thing. (laughs) Uh, You're on your phone and you're on Instagram for like an hour, two hours. What happened? Didn't you want to study? Of course you wanted to study. But you're not the ruler of your own life. Right? Does that make sense, friends? Is that make, am I making sense to anyone? Right? That's what the scripture says. Right? There is this sinful nature within us. And it is you, but it's also not you. You are a spiritual being. There is a spirit within you that wants to respond to the spirit of God. Right? And your spirit has been tampered with by sin. And your spirit is not as strong as it should be. You guys have heard me talk about this before if you've been at LGM. If you've heard me talk about spirits, what do spirits do? Anyone? I have to do this like every couple months. I got to sing this song. You guys know the song Oceans? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Beautiful, right? Spirit, what? What do spirits do, friends? Leads. Spirits lead, right? That's what the spirit within you wants to do. And your spirit, did you know this? Did you know this? Your spirit was made to be led by God, right? To listen and answer the Holy Spirit. But your spirit is not doing that right now. Your spirit is being led by sin. 
right? Now, some of you, you have learned to obey the Holy Spirit at times. But if you're like me, we're not 100% there. There are times where it does seem like the Holy Spirit is leading you, right? And you're able to do what God desires you to do. I, I know this. I know some of you are able to love the way that God wants you to love. You're able to bless people. You're able to, to act contrary to your sinful nature. Those are wins. Right? Don't get me wrong. That's great. But doesn't it kind of feel like every now and then, right, that the sin just gets back on that throne, right? And it just is leading, right? And even for the Apostle Paul, this incredible apostle is like, yeah, there are times I don't do what I want to do, right? I'm still in this sorry state. Who is going to save me? Who indeed? Friends, let's look at Ephesians, right? It says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So remember, friends, everything is corrupted. Everything is corrupted by sin. Your will, right, your heart and spirits, this desired uh, organ in in your body, that's corrupted. But also your mind is too. We start thinking these thoughts the way of the world. The world is under sin, and the the, the people think a certain way, and they think money is going to make them happy, right? Friends, I, I hope I don't need to convince you of this. I hope you know that's not true. In your heart of hearts, you know that's not true, right? Money doesn't make anyone happy because there's lots of rich people in America, and when you look at them, a lot of them are really miserable and lonely and depressed and anxious. It's not true. We have never been richer in America collectively. I know what we do is we compare ourselves to people who are richer. That's the game. That's the game the world plays with you. But did you know that, I mean, pretty much everyone in this room, we're like the top 1% of all of human civilization. We have never had this kind of stuff, these kinds of clothes, these kinds of devices. I mean, we got a supercomputer in our pockets. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? We are all rich. Did you know that? Are you happy? Is it enough for you? Do you sit at home and you just kind of cackle like, I'm so rich, (laughs) I'm so happy. You know that's not true. You know money won't make you happy. But that's the way the world lives. Everyone's chasing that, right? So it says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. We are following a path, friends. We're following a course that has been set by collective sin in our society, and we all follow it, and many of us don't even question it. We don't even know it. And before you know it, you start thinking those thoughts too. There's got to be a different way. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. This is another thing that happens, friends. Our will, our heart has been so battered by the things of this world. How many times have you wanted something and you were like, yeah, I want that so bad, and it lets you down? You want it, and it's not what you want. It doesn't deliver. This is something that I hear sometimes. I was saying this to my wife, and I was kind of feeling this at a certain point in my life, and I'm like, oh, I know I need Jesus. I know I need Jesus when I start saying these kinds of things. Where I started saying things like, you know, I feel like as I get older, I don't want a lot of things anymore. Sometimes adults, like we walk around as we get older, right? Like I'm in my mid-40s now. And when you're younger, you want a lot of things. You still think they can deliver, right? You're like, I want that. I want that job. I want that girl. I want that boy. I want this thing. I want that house. I want that vacation. 
And as you get older, you just realize, like, man, these things just let you down. <laughs> We're so battered. There's so many older people. You look at them. You look in their eyes, and it's like they're dead inside. They don't desire anything. Their hearts have become calloused. They've been let down so many times. We've been disappointed so many times by life. Like, what is there to even want anymore, right? Their hearts have become callous. They have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, right? We start believing that the only thing we have is what we can sense. The only thing we can have are these little pleasures. I'm going to eat this food, and I'm going to be hungry again. But right now, I'm going to live for that. Carpe diem, seize the day. It's all I got, just little pleasure, Right? I'm going to go and sleep with this person. I'm going to go and do this thing. I'm going to go and have this little thing. Have my cake for right now. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's the way a lot of people are living. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. As the truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the king. Jesus wants to give you a better way. Jesus wants to rule your life. Not so he can be a tyrant, but so he can give you what your heart has always desired the best, the life in God, the life where you are living in the kingdom and you are fully reigned by God and your heart comes alive because you're living for the purposes that God has set before the beginning of the world. You have been created for destiny, friends. You have been created to love in this mind-blowing way that Jesus loves. It may not always be like super dramatic, friends, but when we can learn to live that life of love, it is spectacular, right? And this, this is what you have been created for. And so many of us, we're not focused on that at all. All we're focused on is me, 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 my little pleasure. You know, forget the rest of you, right? I'm just going to get mine. That's the way the world is living now. Friends, let's be honest. Isn't that the truth? Everyone, they're just looking out for themselves. Why? Because they're ruled by sin, They're ruled by this sin nature. It's like, hey, this is all we got. It's all you got, this little pleasure. Just get it. Get it. Don't live for them. Don't be a sucker, right? Don't help them. Help yourself. But God has created you for so much more. And you can live that reality if you're living in the kingdom. If God truly is your king, reigning and ruling within you, right? And it says... I have, assuming that you were heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, the king, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is, a, is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now, friends, I, I want to show you something that I, I think is, is it's just really hard for us to believe that this is true. Do you guys believe that you are saved by grace? You guys believe that? If you don't believe it, don't say anything. But do you believe it? Do you believe at least in part you are saved by grace? Can I get an amen? I'm going to say amen because I believe it. Like, you know, I, I, I hope to believe it, right? Do you believe you're saved by grace? Can I get an amen? Amen. What does that mean? You didn't save yourself. Jesus saved you. That's the good news. You don't got to save yourself. You don't have to defeat sin. Jesus defeats sin. Did you know he already defeated sin? It's a defeated enemy. That enemy has power over you because you're not as strong as Jesus. (laughs) But Jesus' spirit is way stronger, and Jesus wants to give you his spirit. Did you know that? You have supernatural power available to you. But this is the thing. We choose by our will and by our participation in the ways of the flesh and sin to keep going back under bondage to sin. 
Christians do it all the time. Did you know you were free? But we keep deciding like, okay, sin, I guess I'll just do what you want. And we keep walking in that way. And as you walk in that way, it is as if you are under that bondage. But this is the thing. If you have been freed, it's like this thing that um, somebody told me once that I I can't remember what uh, country this was. It was like Thailand or something like that where they have these elephants, and the elephants are so big that the elephants um, can definitely break through any chain. But what they do is they put the, the chain on the elephant when the elephant is a baby, when it's very weak. And so, you know, the elephant learns very early on that that chain cannot be broken. The elephant tries. It's like, no, I don't want to be captive. It tries to break free, right? And as it becomes an adult, right? That elephant can definitely break free. That chain is not that strong, right? But because the elephant has that, that imprisoned mentality, elephant never tries, never tries. And it's living as if it is a captive. That, friends, I think is how a lot of Christ followers live. And so there's this crazy thing. I want to show you, friends, crazy insight. It's so simple, Okay, it is so simple. I mean, it's like insultingly simple. But look at what it says, right? Assuming you've heard about him, you were taught in him, right? You know the truth of Jesus, right? You know the good news. You know the gospel, friends. God is king, and he loves you, and he died for you. Do you know that? If you know that, then this is all you got to do. Put off your old self. Yeah, I want to show you this, right? That word in Greek, it means lay aside, right? Um, it's like this, okay? It's like you, you got this coat, right? How do you lay this aside, right? It's just a coat, right? This is actually the language that's being used. It's like language for clothes, right? Just let it fall off you, right? It wasn't a good fit anyways, you know? Let it fall off you, right? Lay it aside, Lay off your old self. What this is, uh, the, the, the word for self is actually humanity. Your old humanity, your sinful ways, right, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And check it out. What it says, so simple, friends, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. So again, this language, it's clothing. It means like being uh, enclosed in something. You put it on like a jacket, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so, friends, it seems so simple. But what we are being asked to do is lay aside your crown. Stop picking it up, right? There was this group uh, in the, I want to say, like, early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, It was a Christian band called Casting Crowns. And I love that image. This is a, a picture from their first album. It's just a crown lying in the sand, And when I hear that phrase, casting crowns, I almost hear something like very violent, right? Like like you got to take it and just like cast it aside like that, you know? But I don't think that's what it is. I think the language is actually lay aside, right? Just kind of let it slip off your head. Don't take it up. Stop picking it up, right? Just let that crown just slide off of you, right? What does that mean? How do we do that? Friends, this is one of the things I've learned. Very, very simple. Stop letting your sinful nature just do whatever it wants. 
You're like, ah, Pastor Steve, you make it sound so simple. This is one thing. This is one thing that we've learned. Uh, it's something that Christians have been doing for thousands of years. Did you know there were Christians who would go into the desert because as the church got wealthier, they realized like, oh my gosh, you know, we used to mark ourselves as Christians by our suffering because we were persecuted. And you had just had no choice. I mean, it was very clear whether you were a Christ follower or not. And then people started getting really wealthy. There's a guy, Francis of Assisi. His dad was one of the first merchants uh, in, in this area in Assisi. And his dad was super wealthy, and so was he. And he lived it up as a kid. He went and he partied, and girls, wine, you know, song, all of this stuff. He was having a great time, and he realized how empty it was. And guys like St. Francis of Assisi and monks, what they started doing is they started going out into the desert, right? Why? They were trying to lay aside their old way of life. And friends, you don't have to go into the desert, but this is the principle of what they did. The cornerstone of this idea of laying aside their, their sinful self, it was around silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. So we have this, this scripture, right? You guys have heard this before. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. We actually sang that song, right? I will be still, know you are God, right? What does that mean? Be still and know that I am God. Let's put it this way. Be still and know that you are not God. Your sinful nature is not God. I'm not meaning to make like a law of this, to be legalistic. But this is the cornerstone of my spiritual practice, is that I spend 20 minutes a day just being still before God. Any thoughts, desires that come into my head, I don't fight them. It's not casting aside the crown. You just let it slip off, right? This is the way thoughts work, friends. Thoughts they're like kind of like running through your stream of consciousness. And what we find with most thoughts, because there's just thousands, millions of them all the time, right? And, and your thoughts, if you do not grasp onto it, it will just go away, right? What if you had this thought like, is that light a banana? It's the silliest thought. You're not even going to think about it for two seconds, right? That thought is just going to be gone right away because there's no traction there. But there are other thoughts that have traction. They hook into something within you and you follow them. What did it say in Ephesians? Don't walk in the ways of this world. That's what we do. We take that thought, we take that thing that your sinful nature is trying to get you to do. It's like, yeah, you really should be worried. You're like, yeah, worry, and you go down that stream, right? Isn't that the case? Like, hey, don't you really want to drink? Yeah, I want to drink, right? Drink, 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 drink. What happens if you do this? What happens if you do this? You don't hook onto it at all. That thought comes, you're praying, and you're like, I really want to take a nap, and this is all you do, right? What do you do? You put on the clothes of Jesus. So just say, Jesus. You could say something like this, Jesus, you're king. How about that? Just put it on. It's not this really heavy-duty thing. You just slip it on. Jesus, you're king. You're like, Pastor Steve, that seems so silly. That seems so stupid, right? It is, (laughs) because you're not the one doing it. Just slip on that reality more and more and more and learn to not hook yourself into the reality of the spirit. It's already defeated. It's a defeated foe. It's just going to slide off of you if you don't follow it down that path. And so for 20 minutes a day, I mean, if that's too hard, do 10 minutes, right? 
Just be still and know that you're not God. Don't let your thoughts rule you. Don't let your body rule you. Don't let your heart, your will, bring you in any direction. You just sit still, put your butt on a seat, and just just chill, just breathe. Just enjoy knowing that you're not God. Oh, man, it's torture in the beginning. I got to tell you. Why? Because your sin nature is so strong. This is one of the things I started doing because I couldn't sit still in the beginning. I would walk around. And then I started going to parks and walking around. And these are some of the thoughts I've had while I was walking around. Um, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. It sounds so stupid. But I'd be walking around just trying try to like not think about anything. I'm just looking at God's beautiful creation, right? I'm just walking. And I started having this thought, what if there's someone in the woods looking at me right now? It's so stupid. It's so paranoid. And then I start doing this. What, instead of looking around, I start like, what, well, well, what if? But what if? There's no one here. If someone murdered me right now, I wonder how long it would take them to find my body. <laughs> it's so stupid, right? What is my mind doing? My mind is like, yo, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. We want to be in control. Come on, man. And so what did I have to learn to do? Jesus, Jesus, you're king. You're king. I'm not going to pick up the phone. Jesus, you're king. I had to do that again and again and again, Right? When you sit down to be still before God, you will never have the kind of itches in your body than when you try to be still with the Lord. You're going to sit there and your nose is just like, like you're going to feel unbelievably itchy. What is your body trying to do? It's like, pick up the phone. We want to be in control. Start scratching, right? Just pay attention to us. Pay attention to your body. And you sit there and sometimes, friends, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm not that spiritual. I'm just like, okay. Jesus. <laughs> I got to itch it. It's so itchy, right? But again, Jesus, you're king. Jesus, you're king. I'm not getting up from this chair for 20 minutes. I'm not going to get on my phone. Like seriously, in the beginning, and I still do it sometimes. Sometimes before I know it, I'm on Facebook. I don't remember picking up my phone, right? But that's how strong my sin nature is. It's like, yo, we want to be in charge. Pick up the phone. Do it. Walk in this direction. Let us start leading you. And as we learn, friends, gradually, stop picking up the phone. You let that sinful nature just slide off of you. You're like, Jesus, Jesus. There's other things we can do. I mean, there's definitely more to this. Putting on that new nature, right? This is part of the reason why we read scripture, why we memorize scripture, why we, you know, we worship, right? We need to be reminded, Jesus, you're king. You're great. There's nothing better than you. Your love is better than anything else. We're putting on these things, Remember what we said, what the kingdom of God is. It's like an atmosphere. It's like if everything around you was just water, right? The kingdom is everywhere. And so what we're trying to do is just put on more of that. And it's going to start soaking you. It's going to start getting into your soul. It's going to start getting into your heart, into your will. You're going to start wanting different things. It's going to get into your mind. You're going to start thinking different thoughts. It's going to get into your body. And you're going to start being empowered to actually do the things that God wants. Do you want that? Man, I want that more than anything. I want that more than anything. That's why we have to seek the kingdom first. Adam, can you come up? And I just want to give us a moment. And it's going to take practice, friends. Right? I've shared this before. I don't share this 
um, out of any sense of pride. But I'm just telling you that my appetites have changed. <laughs> my desire muscles have changed. Where, like, like, there are things that I used to do, like, every day in the world. Like, I don't know, play a video game or something. If I didn't play a video game every day, I'd be like, I want to play a video game. But now in my body, if I don't pray every day, if I don't sit still before God, I crave it. My body craves it. It's like, oh, we didn't pray. Let's go pray. And it's not a legalistic thing. But my desire muscles have changed. Does that make sense? In the beginning, though, I didn't want it. I had to learn, right? I I had to learn to put this on, right? There might be things you have to do to learn this to get more of this into your life, right? Maybe all you can do is two minutes being still before God. Don't pick up the phone of your mind, of your heart, of your body. They're going to try to tell you what to do. They're going to try to get you to listen to them and let them lead. Don't listen, just Jesus. Two minutes, can you do that? Can we do that right now? I don't think it's going to be two minutes necessarily. I'm not going to time it. Can we just be still right now? And friends, Whatever thought comes in, the thought comes in, yo, let's, let's go use the restroom. Uh, look at your phone. Uh, maybe an important email came. Don't pick up the phone, guys. Two minutes. Just, that, that's it. Just two minutes. Just two minutes. Let's just let it slide off of you. It's not going to feel awesome. It's not going to feel super spiritual. But what you are learning is to not let your flesh lead you. Just right now. right? And any time that thought comes in, you can say Jesus, or you can say Jesus is King. You can say Jesus is Lord. You can just say, let go. Whatever reminds you, friends, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Precious God, we want you to be king. We confess, God, that we are just double-minded creatures. There are things within us that don't want that and try to steer us away from allowing you to reign in our lives. So, God, we want to stop picking up the phone, stop listening to those voices, to let those things fall aside and to be reminded of the truth that you are king and there's nothing better than following you. Let that be true of us today and increasingly more in life. We're going to stumble still. We're not going to be perfect There are going to be times where the the call is just irresistible and we find ourselves picking up again. But Lord, may every day we learn to return to that truth. God, you are in control. Come reign in our bodies. Come reign in our minds. Come reign in our hearts again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.